0: homemade music welcome to house of hoops with Poe, brian and jeff i'm jeff hausman coming to you from memphis tennessee it's episode 89 monday night november 13th 2021 thank you for listening With me, as always, is Bo Brady coming virtually from St. Paul, Minnesota
1: What's up? What up, Bo? How you doing? Doing great. How are you?
0: Excellent. I'm in kind of a rush tonight Supposed to be going to this party But I figured we'd uh, make a quick podcast real quick Let's do it Yes It's uh, week nine in the NBA. We're back after a week off. I think we've got a pretty decent show lined up here. We're going to talk our pick game with the uh, Boston Celtics and the Utah Jazz. We're going to do a little news. Pick a game for next week. That's about it. Please visit our website. It's houseofhoops.com. H-A-U-S of hoops.com there you can find links to our social media you can find our store you can look at some goofy pictures Um, you can find the number to call in and leave voicemails Bo did you ever see that movie Eddie? With uh, Whoopi Goldberg.
1: Um, I can see the poster in my head, but no, I don't think I have.
0: She's like the boisterous fan. The Knicks get a new owner, and uh oh. he like wants to shake things up and make it more of a show. And nobody really likes the head coach, and the team's not doing so well. And they let the fan like win. A chance to be an honorary coach, and she ends up creating quite a stir. And uh, they end up like bringing her on as
1: like a full time coach, like a head coach, <laughs> full time head coach. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, she can't just like she couldn't just be an assistant coach or the video room or something. They had to make her the head coach. <laughs> yeah. and she completely <laughs> turns the Knicks around. <laughs> that was probably the only thing that was going to turn the Knicks around.
0: Dude, it's actually a pretty good movie. I rewatched it last week. I think it deserves, like, uh, a remake. I think that would go over really well. But it was a good movie. It had, like, real NBA players in it. And a lot of it seemed to be, like, a pretty accurate representation of what it's like in the NBA. And it just seemed, like, really authentic. It didn't seem, like, super hokey, aside from the part where the fan takes over as the head coach. But... Like all the basketball-related stuff seemed really authentic. It's actually not a terrible movie. I don't remember it being good, but I rewatched it and
1: I I enjoyed it. Okay. It looks like it came out in '96. That's probably when I least paid attention to the NBA. Yeah.
0: Mark Jackson was in it. John Sally. Rick yeah, I was a fresh freshman in high school. Rick Fox was in it. <laughs> like all these players that did not play for i I think like uh there was quite a few nba players in that movie i bet it'd be really expensive to make now to get all those nba players they probably did it for mere peanuts back then you know all the licensing too yeah to have access to all that stuff i'm sure yeah it probably cost a fortune to make that movie today So what have you been up to, man? How you doing?
1: I'm I'm great. Went um, my two girls had birthdays this past within the last two weeks. So we've we've been busy with birthday parties and holy smokes. And uh, I took the girls to a Timberwolves game. Which game? They played the Hawks. It was a blowout. It was disappointing. Who won? The Hawks. Oh. The hawks hit like i think a season high for threes kevin was it kevin herter he went off hitting a mm-hmm. bunch of threes mm-hmm. it was fun we had fun it was funny it was a black friday flash sale that Timberwolves had so i bought four tickets for four dollars oh <laughs> and we we ended up using three of them that's a, oh
0: <laughs> you let that ticket go to waste
1: <laughs> i did <laughs> The boy he did not want to go and it was probably for the best. He's only 4. Mm. And I could have gotten more of the neighborhood kids to go, but I decided to just take just the girls and me, which I'd cool. like that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, let man. them get whatever they wanted and we set up in the cheap seats. It was fun.
0: Yeah, that sounds great, man. Your daughters are getting older. They're they'll remember, you know. Night oh, out, oh, yeah. night out on the town with
1: pops. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun well what's really fun is Minneapolis is obviously it's very cold in Minneapolis and here so we, we parked in the uh, in this one parking like there's three parking ramps you can park on and I parked in the furthest one away because you have to go the longest distance in the skyway mm. so the girls like of course love running through these long hallways to get to the target center.
0: Oh yeah that was like in itself. The journey was part of the experience, huh? Yes.
1: <laughs> so it was fun. I I will say Trey Young is not Steph Curry, but he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's fun to see him in person, but he's just not, not even close to that level. Nah. How old
0: is Trey?
1: Probably 24, I would think. He
0: is 23. 23? Still so young. Yeah, his game could still develop, for sure.
1: It could. I st- still maintain he's not the shooter that mm-hmm. Steph is. No, no, no. I mean, Steph is a one of a kind guy.
0: He's doing shit that's never been done. I don't know if you can compare him to anyone.
1: No, Trey's still good. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking anything away. Oh yeah, and the Haw- the Hawks are a good team.
0: Yeah, they are. We sh- We need to do a Hawks pick game soon.
1: Yeah, it was fun to see them in person. It's especially fun. good to see an Eastern Conference team because it's the only time you're going to see them. Mm
0: -hmm, mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Have the Timberwolves,
0: have they fallen off or are they still winning games?
1: Uh, They lost five in a row until last night. When I was texting you guys, I was watching them playing the Blazers who, after losing the Timberwolves, have now lost five straight. Okay. And Dame Dame was back last night. So the Wolves fell off. they were below 500. Oh yeah.
0: In our several games. Our Grizzlies have been on this like winning tear. It's insane. Uh 7 of 3 in our last 10. No without Ja. Have somehow slid into like fourth place. <laughs> what?
1: So did I did I miss something or was just so there was um on Gora's Twitter, there was like some Jalen Brown trade talk, which made no sense to me. I don't think the Celtics were trading Jalen Brown, but there was that report. I forgot who reported it, that the Celtics, it's time for them to split up Tatum and Brown. Mm, I
0: didn't see it. Let me see. Something from Kendrick
1: Perkins here. Well, Kendrick Perkins is about as well-researched as a mom's Facebook group. He wrote, uh, if I'm the Memphis
0: Grizzlies, I'm blowing up the Celtics to see what's up with Jalen Brown. Oh, so
1: it was something Perk said. I, saw, I thought I saw someone else say st- I
0: mean, Jalen. Oh, it was
1: Jake Fisher. He said, Who's Jake whoever Fisher? that guy. I don't know. He said, this is <laughs> the beginning of the end of the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown pairing. Here he is. He's on Twitter.
0: What could Memphis offer Boston?
1: Well, what I saw was some combination of slow mo, Brandon Clark, and um, what's another decent young piece? I don't know. And then picks. But that doesn't seem like enough. I'm seeing people
0: are writing about uh, Jaren being traded for. That's Jaren. so young. I don't think that's a good idea. No. Um, too, Jaren's too young. He still has way too much potential. I mean, Jaren's caught some criticism. Here and there. He's been a lot better. He's been since Jaws been out, he's basically been leading the team. So way more aggressive. Way more aggressive. I don't think trading a young seven footer is smart when you've spent the last three years like building around him.
1: Right. No, I don't. I, I think the Grizzlies are content to. I mean, they just signed him to the extension to. I would assume they're content to ride it out with John, Jaron. And I would say the same thing about Boston. (laughs) Yes. Honestly.
0: There's nothing wrong with having two wings that overlap. Okay. Here's uh, Brad Stevens on Jalen Brown. He's quoted as saying, I just walked up to Jalen and said, your name is all over the place. As you know, obviously from our standpoint, you're a Celtic. And obviously a guy that we think exceptionally high of. Nothing doing. That's what Steven said on Jalen Brown's trade speculation. Brad said, uh, I just wanted to make sure that he has that peace of mind. So that doesn't sound like he's getting moved. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. It seems like an off season, Unless somebody just hit him with a crazy load of talent and picks. It seems like a, if something was going to happen, it would be over the off season. Sounds like just people trying to wish things into fruition. Anyway, I went to a game this week, too. Ooh. Yeah, I went down to the Grizzlies-Mavs game Wednesday night. The Grizz, in, in the middle of, like, the Grizzlies' crazy winning run, I go to a game, and... Uh, this was an ugly one to watch, particularly the uh, performance by the officials. There were uh, seven technical fouls assessed on the evening. Mm. <laughs> that is a lot. It seemed like, uh, like the refs were getting heckled a lot. Maybe they were upset at that and took it out on the game. I'm not sure. There was a lot of, uh, it looked like retaliation calls where the rest were just mad at players. I mean, uh, Dylan Brooks ended up getting ejected from the game. He was irate about that.
1: It was a fun game, fined. though. He got fined 25000 Ooh.
0: Ouch. What a fun game, though. I mean, dude, poor Zingus got so mad. At one point, him and Jaron kind of got into it, and Porzingis just took the fucking game over. That was crazy to see. I I don't know if I'd ever seen Porzingis.
1: Alpha play, Porzingis. Yeah,
0: like play aggressive like that. It was wild. He was like dunking and shit. <laughs> like, it looks like Porzingis from several years back. One player that caught my eye was that Moses Brown. Uh, he finished with 9.7 rebounds, two blocks, and one steal in 12 minutes of play. Wow. I guess he's a young guy. He's big, and he's not scared. Kids out there playing. Plays with edge. There's kind of a ridiculous game, though. The Mavs won. Grizzlies lost. I don't think. Yeah, no, every game I've gone to, the Grizzlies have lost. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I noticed real quick was Bain had like kind of a bad game. But while they were playing, I noticed Tim Hardaway Jr. was all over Bain. Like, that seemed like that was pretty much his mission. It seemed like a big part of Memphis getting behind in the game was Bain couldn't get going. Bain couldn't get any shots off. He couldn't get to any spots. Hardaway Jr. was just all over him, shutting him down pretty much. That was probably... Uh, Part of the scheme for the night, you know. It's like, uh, John Morant's out. Where are they getting a bulk of their scoring? Desmond Bain, all right, well, if we shut him down, then where are they going to get their scoring? And they held Memphis under 100 points. So There's got to be something to it. I looked up this stat, and uh, Dylan Brooks has the highest technical foul per minute rate in the NBA among players averaging more than six minutes per game. Dude, you need to chill out maybe a little bit. Come <laughs> <I'm a> DB. <laughs> yeah, I got a couple quotes. Jaron Jackson after the game said, uh, "Dylan is a warrior." So there's like a lot of controversy about these uh, technicals. You know, it's kind of a big deal. And Dylan getting ejected from the game. I mean, Dylan was upset the whole fucking game, and then he gets ejected. So I guess some of the players were kind of uh, standing up for Dylan, maybe speaking for him a little bit. Jaron said, Dylan is a warrior. He's going to play defense to the best of his ability. It's tough sometimes. That's my dog. We are going to be here for him, period. Dylan Brooks said, the crew did not protect the players. They just wanted to get the game over with, and that's bullshit. It was bullshit from the very beginning. (laughs) Dylan said, uh, the officials called an inconsistent game. He said the officiating crew made it about them, and uh, Taylor Jenkins described the Dylan Brooks ejection. Uh, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, Dylan got ejected. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> pretty crazy, uh, pretty crazy game to be sitting. I was sitting pretty close to the game and uh, watching all that unfold up close like that i mean it was just heated man it was a lot of words <laughs> dylan was so mad but i love it i love that aggression and and uh not backing down you know when things aren't going your way he wasn't really complaining he was just kind of like fuck you you want to call it this way then i'm gonna be a fucking dick about it like uh, there was some truth to it i mean the officiating was horseshit Matt Boland, number 18, referee in that game. He is a weirdo. He was acting so strangely. so the weirdest mannerisms. And he seemed like that game was, like, personal. Mm. He is just a weird little dude. I'm not a fan of Matt Boland. He's creepy, man. He's probably, like got some bodies buried somewhere probably children's bodies he could be a cool dude man maybe he didn't seem like it
1: you're not buying it
0: no so when dylan got ejected the assistant coaches had to like cover his mouth and like carry him off the court (laughs) (laughs) it looked like it, it looked like seriously like a fight had broken out they were taking him off the court This Matt Bolin, though, Jesus, man, I hope I never see that guy again. He's the worst. He just has a creepy demeanor. But Jaron was good. I love aggressive Jaron. I love it when he gets fucking mad. He's so much better than when he's passive and just, like, tries to let the game come to him. That's pretty much all I've been up to for the last couple weeks. I don't know. There's been other stuff, but we got to get this moving. All right. Let's move on to the news. All right. Bo, did you see anything that caught your eye in the news?
1: Uh, That Zion story kind of stands out to me. All right.
0: What's the latest on Zion? I mean, I kind of know the situation.
1: The latest imaging they did, they called a scan, but I'm assuming it's imaging. is not showing the bone healing that they're looking for. Mm. That's all. It's just... They thought he'd be ready for the season and then just, you know, here we are.
0: Dude, I heard this guy is like skipping rehab sessions. I heard he's I fa- saw that. falling asleep in film uh, film reviews. That's I don't know, dude. <laughs> it all sounds pretty sus.
1: Yeah, I I you know, I don't I don't know that comes from, but the team that we care most about their guy <laughs> when he has rehab, apparently he's all in on rehab, yeah is what the media in Memphis reports is that Ja is all about it mm-hmm. too- and I would think Zion would be all about it because he's in line for Supermax based on his he's a, he could i mean he is so dominant and good when he's out there. Mm -hmm. so maybe he just doesn't care because he's going to be that good
0: yeah maybe the fact that his team is in last place in the west is the other unmotivating factor maybe he's pulling a James Harden maybe he doesn't want to be in New Orleans maybe he's trying to make himself look unattractive
1: yeah maybe maybe he's figuring hey
0: this is my chance to get the fuck out of here yeah, I don't know. It could be. I mean that team's been ran like shit for so long. You don't think he yes knows? They have. I bet he no,
1: knows. He, he's a clutch sports guy. He knows. He knows.
0: Maybe he's getting uh, advice from somebody.
1: Well, I, I will say this. It is I'm not convinced that David Griffin just gave Lonzo away for Thomas Saturansky. I feel like I feel like that's some like clutch sports tomfoolery. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion on that. Well, it's a big story, and I'm sure we'll
0: find out at some point. But if he gets traded or unloaded or some shit, I wouldn't be like, how shocked would he be if he just like, right, all all of a sudden gave a shit?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, and Tim McMahon, I sent you, you and Brian, this text, a screenshot at least that Tim McMahon reported. On Zach Lowe's podcast, that he had multiple sources saying that Zion's at 330 pounds. (laughs) Yeah, who
0: who knows? But I don't know. I saw that picture. Somebody took a picture um, with Zion. I forget where. Oh, in that jewelry store. He didn't look huge. No, so I don't know. It's almost like it's almost like there's two sides to this story. Like there's an image that somebody's trying to project and then like a real story.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that's all. I mean, we, I think we said enough. Mm -hmm. I've been
0: interested in this Portland situation.
1: Yes. And like I said earlier, I watched the end of that Wolves Portland game last night Mm -hmm. with Dame back. It's weird. And then they hired new coach and it's going about how we expected it to go with that
0: first time head coach yeah and the blazers recently fired their gm neil oshley yep he gone damian lillard's reportedly grown frustrated with portland's play and tension appears to be on the rise between players and chauncey billups the head coach and then i saw this story a couple weeks ago That Damian Lillard wanted the Blazers to pursue Jalen Brown and then Orlando Magic forward Aaron Gordon over the summer. And Lillard has also expressed interest in playing with Sixers' uh, Ben Simmons. And uh, basically, Olshay just shut all that down. I guess he had conversations with the Magic for Gordon, but nothing really came of it. Instead, Portland went and traded two first-round picks for Robert Covington. Mm -hmm. And so there's some Lillard frustration there, but Olshay's gone now because Lillard rules all in Portland. Everyone's on Lillard time, it would appear. Portland's got uh, Joe Cronin. As the interim GM, he was the assistant GM. He'll be filling in for Olshay while Portland tries to find a new head of basketball operations. Cronin seems like he's the brains behind the operation anyway in Portland. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know anything about him. I do not. Okay. So he was the Blazers head of strategy and negotiations for the past decade he has immense knowledge of the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement and salary cap and scouting. So I think he's kind of like already was kind of the uh, brains behind the operation. And then you have Chauncey Billups coming under scrutiny. Billups went all in on defense during a uh, Portland's training camp sessions. And, uh, A lot of the players said they felt dogged and exhausted. And uh, so far, it's yielded like no improvement on the court this season in their defense. Phillips has blasted the Blazers for their lack of effort and heart during post-game media sessions. Apparently, last week, after Saturday night's home blowout loss to Boston, Phillips lit into the players. He was quoted saying, uh, competitive fire and pride that's something you either have or you don't that's something you can't turn off and turn on i've never seen a team that needs its bench to inspire our starters this shit is crazy to me it's supposed to be the other way around yikes sounds like trouble man lillard made it clear that he wanted an experienced head coach you wanted, like, D'Antoni or Jason Kidd. Again, this comes back to Neil Olshe, the former GM, and hiring Chauncey Billups no matter what Damian Lillard wanted. Seems like a very old-school approach to running an NBA team. Um, so, yeah, he's out now, and maybe Portland can salvage what's left of this season. I mean, we're only about a third of way through, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's still time. Where's Portland in the standings? 10th. They're a play in team right now, below
1: 500. Lost five in a row.
0: On a five game (laughs) skid. Two of eight in the last 10. And then, of course, their starting shooting guard, CJ McCollum, has a collapsed lung.
1: This is true. (laughs) Gerald Wallace had a collapsed lung, and there's somebody else. It's like six games was the average for the two people that have had it based on severity or it's a pneumothorax and it's not it's from contact i mean there's other reasons those things happen but you just put a chest tube in and it reinflates the lung Mm. my dad does it all the time so it's not a big deal it is a big deal but it's not like his lung is still collapsed You just, from what I understand, is you just put a chest tube in, and it reinflates the lung. Now, I'm not a doctor, though I'm married to one, and my dad is one, but that still doesn't make me a doctor, right?
0: No, but you have more information on it than I do. Yeah, true.
1: I'm not sure how uh,
0: serious it is. It says no timeline for his return.
1: So there's this Jeff Stotts. Uh, his Twitter, Twitter handle is in Street Clothes. He is a physical therapist or certified athletic trainer. This is what he said. He says, very odd and unusual injury in the NBA. Gerald Wallace and Terrence Jones both suffered rib injuries that also included a norm- pneumothorax. Average missed time, six and a half games. Okay. And then he's got a piece up about it. It's a pretty
0: short read. He said, it feels like Mike Tyson punched me in the ribs.
1: This is what Stotts is saying, that the rate of recovery is linked to the size of the injury. So if it's a large injury, a chest tube may be necessary to remove the air. And it says that a pneumothorax, which is a collapse lung, is more common in the NFL with players like Breeze and Grokowski sustaining the injury in recent season. So there's not much frequency in the NBA. Uh, and then in 8 09, Jared Wallace fractured his fifth rib and then he had a collapsed lung mm-hmm. which required a chest tube to drain the air around Wallace's injured lung. And then Terrence Mann also suffered one in the 14-15 season and he says neither con- missed a considerable amount of time. Wallace was sidelined for seven games and Terrence Jones is back in six uh, and Stotts is saying he thinks he'll be out at least a week or two hmm. well the point is
0: that it's more bad news and it's yes absolutely It's, a, it's, not good news. it's 20 points a game that they're going to be missing it's, it's a serious starting player missing out on a bad stretch of losses
1: yeah yeah.
0: What, uh, the Blazers might be a mess. They never really got over the hump as far as in the playoffs. I mean, what, they went to the Western Conference Finals once. Yep. And now they're aging. I don't know. They're sitting below five hundred. They could be candidates for a B.I.U. A blow it up. If there was one team, like, if you had to pick one team in the NBA right now, that would probably – blow up their roster? Would you think it was Portland or Indiana? I
1: would say... Or another one. I would say Portland, Indiana, the the two obvious candidates. (laughs) Mm, Not the Timberwolves. You like the Wolves the way they are. I think they're in kind of a weird transition with the ownership stuff and that they're still sniffing the plan mm-hmm. and sadly a, a plan birth is is a big deal to the wolves mm-hmm. i mean i just don't see like the, the wolves are not going to trade cat this year i don't think and they're not going to trade edwards for sure and then if you want to call trading malik Beezy or d'angelo russell blowing it up then
0: Man, you know, if you could combine the Blazers and the Timberwolves. (laughs) Yes. If you could put Dame on that Wolves team, I think that solves a lot of your problems on both ends. I would think so, yes. Uh, you think Timberwolves would hedge their future on Dame right now? I would hope not. No? I don't think so. I mean, that would make them a serious team if they could just.
1: Well, what would they have to give up, though?
0: D'Angelo and some future. Some picks and shit. Uh, what's a Wolves young guy? Hopefully not Anthony Edwards. I don't think it works if you get. I guess Jared Edwards. Vanderbilt. He's been playing good. Yeah, Vanderbilt. Maybe the Wolves could get.
1: Um, and they have the Balmaro guy, that rookie.
0: Maybe the Wolves could get uh, Nurkic in the deal or something. Or Larry Nance. Yeah, A big and a point guard. And they just send over D'Angelo. <laughs> oh, D'Angelo. <laughs> and a shitload of picks. If <laughs> I thought it was the Wolves, I would never trade
1: picks. Yeah. Not even for Damian Lillard. Uh, not a bunch of picks. Hmm. They traded a pick for D'Angelo. Yeah. They gave up a like the seventh pick or whatever it was yeah it was (laughs)
0: somehow if you could combine these two like oh yeah mid-range teams so you would say who was the most uh, likely biu
1: i I would probably say i would have to say the blazers just because of the coaching situation you have a new head coach in billups Mm -hmm. versus the pacers where you have carlisle Where I feel I feel like you could talk yourself into, well, maybe we trade Turner for.
0: Well, you know it's interesting you say that because I think Billups took that job because it's not a young team. I don't think he wants to do a rebuild. I think he wants he wanted to take over like a veteran team. That's time to win. Right. I think that's why he went there. I don't think he's has interest in like uh, bringing up a young team. Quite honestly. See, he passed up a bunch of opportunities before he went to Portland.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's tough, man.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of weird shit going on. But with the Pacers, what was all this fucking talk last week about uh, the Pacers moving towards a substantial rebuild? And I believe opening, it when I say it. Opening up trade conversations. I know everybody went apeshit over it. I know that Miles Turner wants a bigger role. Brian on here has talked about how he doesn't think Turner and Sabonis can play together. I think they can, but I think it has to be, the scheme has to be different. Because right now, it's it's uh, Turner just play defense. And I think Turner wants to do more than just play defense. I think it's very strange. And I think, actually, it could be some kind of smoke and mirrors tactic to motivate the players. I'm not sure. But that's Maybe. what I think. Who rebuilds a team full of twenty five year olds? Karis Levert's twenty-seven, Sabonis is twenty five, and Miles Turner's twenty-five.
1: A rebuild? And they got that uh that good rookie. Mm-hmm. Duarte. Yeah. I think you could trade Miles Turner or Sabonis for I don't know. Could you get Jalen I like so like we're talking about Jalen Brown? Like I feel like a Jalen Brown so bonus swaps pretty decent pretty reasonable yeah
0: so bonus would be a legend in boston they'd call him the next fucking larry bird right well yeah he's he's white to start <laughs> yeah that helps they would immediately be throwing that larry bird shit all over him <laughs> i feel like that's an obvious to me but <laughs> yeah They've got, like, Indiana, they've got a lot of nice trade pieces, but I just don't understand, like, I just don't understand blowing up or rebuilding with a team full of guys that are in the prime of their fucking careers. Or going into the primes of their careers. Right. That don't make no sense. It's very strange. It's interesting that nothing's happened. This was reported, like, almost over a week ago now, right?
1: Well, was it? December 15th is the the day that New contracts can be traded, so we're coming up on the
0: nothing happened. Action yeah, nothing happened. Let's move on. Let's move on, Bo, and uh, let's get to the pick game, huh? Let's do it. Pick game was on a Friday. It's the Boston Celtics and the Utah Jazz in Salt Lake City at Vivint Arena in Salt Lake City. The religious center of the Mormons. Have you ever heard of the uh, monster in the Great Salt Lake?
1: Uh, It's vaguely familiar.
0: The North Shore Monster?
1: Yeah, I think I've heard of it. Apparently
0: there's a monster that lives in that, that big lake they got there, that big salt lake. Back in the 1800s, 1840s, some say 1870s. Some workers uh, of a salt-producing company on the Great Salt Lake's North Shore claimed to have seen a creature with a crocodile-like body and a head of a horse swimming around in the lake just offshore. The creature allegedly made strange, bellowing noise and charged those workers, who quickly ran for cover. The North Shore monster hasn't been spotted since. Isn't that some crazy old folklore?
1: That absolutely is. <laughs>
0: did you did you know that uh Dumb and Dumber was filmed? Uh in Salt Lake City?
1: Uh, you know I I don't think I did.
0: <laughs> One more uh little uh a little uh Salt Lake City uh fact. The biggest manufacturer of rubber chickens in the country. Lofus novelty is uh in Salt Lake City. Okay. So I got all the rubber chickens. That's
1: where they all come from.
0: That's where they all come from. Okay. Did you uh did you catch this game, Bo? Did you watch this game? I did. You did? hmm. Did you watch the Celtics or the Utah broadcast?
1: I ended up watching Utah. I regret it. I should have listened to Scow. Man,
0: I watched the Utah broadcast because it was a home broadcast. Craig Bullerjack and Thoreau Bailey. Big team. I, used,
1: I usually default to the home one just because I just do. And right. I feel like I thought maybe you would do the Scalabrini broadcast, but
0: okay. I should have. But I uh, for some reason, I was just thinking home team. Me too. Weird. Hmm. Oh, uh what is uh, – they were doing something called Star Wars Night. What is uh, What is Star Wars Night? Do you know?
1: Funny you should ask me because when I was at the Timberwolves games with my girl girls, the Atlanta game, it was Star Wars Night there. What
0: the fuck is that
1: all about? Uh, they just, the casino sponsored a bunch of people to dress like Star Wars characters. Why? I don't know. And there was, you could take pictures with some of the characters and then there would be you know end game breaks with like Star Wars themes and Darth Vader came out and it was just, just the whole theme I don't know why they do it yeah. how much they have to pay to do it but they do it but why people like Star Wars my g- girls like Star Wars
0: what is uh <clears throat> what is
1: Star Wars um it is a <laughs> it is a movie franchise Let's see. Star Wars Star Wars is worth over $10 billion, apparently. Oh, okay. <clears throat>
0: uh, no Jalen Brown in this game. Nope. It's a hot topic tonight. Just Jalen Brown. That's a big missing piece. They could have used him. Mr. Uh, Bowlerjack there said the, in the pregame, he thought this would be a good test for the Jazz. I felt the same way kind of why i picked the game what do you think bo
1: how was the i game? mean the game was awesome it was i really loved it i loved horford though he was minus 18 for the celtics i thought i guess i like the theoretical horford in this game
0: he was a big piece i felt like
1: if you didn't watch a basketball game you look at the box score that's the first thing you look at these days it's the three-point shooting And Mm -hmm. I can't believe if you look at the three-point shooting in this game, Mm -hmm. the Celtics only lost by seven points. It's completely insane. Right. Because the Celtics were 14 for 39 at 35% from three. The jazz were 27 for 51, Mm -hmm. 53%, which is totally insane. Mm -hmm. And our guy Conley was seven for seven.
0: Yeah. Conley was amazing. That game was good. This is a great game. Uh, yeah, it was. And a lot of those Conley threes were at the end of the game. Clutch. Well, him and Mitchell were going back and forth. Yeah. Disparities. Turnovers. Utah. Sloppy. 19 turnovers to Boston, 6. Yep. And that's probably why the game was as close as it was. It was. <laughs> so, when you look at those threes, it was threes that they piled on. Well, every time... Utah turned it over. Boston would go down and, and they were attacking the paint. They had a lot of points in the paint. They had fifty points in the paint. So they were taking good twos. Thirty five percent from threes, not terrible, but it's so common when we do these pick games, we look at the three pointers, and if they're if a team is shooting a high volume of threes and they're over forty percent, that team typically wins every fucking time. And Utah did. Uh, Utah kind of lives and dies by the three. It seems like every team every time I watch it's like a barrage of threes. And if they're going in they win. If they're not they lose. A lot of three point shooters. Right away Utah came out to like a big 14 to 2 lead. The Conley just jacking them up right away. But uh, the Celtics kind of Fought their way back little by little. This is the first time I've seen Rudy Gay play in a long time. Yes. It's the first time I've seen Rudy Gay and Mike Conley play together since January of 2013. (laughs) (laughs) Which is nostalgic and kind of weird. But cool, too. You know, like who would have thought those guys would both be on a different team like a contending team this far down the road. This Utah team is deep, and they share the ball really well. A lot of good passing, um, not, not a lot of selfishness going on, you know. Guys know their spots. They know their roles. They're very prepared. and it's uh, I think that a lot of that is the team being together for so long and being under the same head coach for so long. They know what they're fucking doing.
1: As far as the West goes, how far do you think the Jazz can go this year?
0: I look at them as a title contender. I really do. In the playoffs, you know, things slow down. Defense
1: steps up. But, man, Gobert is massive.
0: If Conley's on his shit and Donovan's hitting shots and getting in the lane, I mean – What else do you need? And you got your X factors. You got Rudy Gay and Joe Ingles that can do things. Jordan Clarkson. You've got a lot of tools. Royce O'Neal. Yeah. And they've got a lot of fucking tools.
1: I'll say this. I don't think, I think the Warriors, if they they get Clay back and he's healthy, Mm. I think the Warriors can beat the Jazz. And if the Suns are still the Suns, I think they can beat the Jazz. But I don't think any other team can. I don't think the, I think the Lakers will get smoked by the Jazz.
0: Yeah, I take any three of those teams. I always, I I feel like obligated to throw the Lakers into the mix because I think if LeBron's healthy they're just there.
1: Yeah, with everyone. He would be a LeBron would be a tough matchup for the Jazz and AD presumably would be on his A game. So that would would be a tough one. But and, if the Jazz can if they can somehow sneak into a top one or two seed, They set themselves up nicely, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Utah's a good team. I think they've been right there. They're better than Portland. Portland was the other team. It was like kind of Utah and Portland for a while, you know, like which one, and Denver, which one's going to be the next team to kind of make their mark. Utah has withstood all the fucking bullshit. Whereas Denver's had injuries. Portland's just a fucking mess and injuries. But. Utah's like the steady one, right? Like, yeah, and they're just steady, hanging in there, like year after year. Just let's run it back, keep pushing. They have a young leader, Donovan Mitchell. They just kind of build around that and add pieces. I think well, Utah's a definitely a contender.
1: Yeah. Well, you say you have, they have a young leader, but they also have defensive anchor and Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. and I know that the game changes in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. man, go Bears! Yeah, like I said already, he's massive.
0: Mm-hmm. Those uh, those Conley to go bear lobs are like just unguardable.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and you don't know if Conley's gonna throw a lot, like a floater, or he's gonna lob it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not. Yeah, you know, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, they both run to the rim on pick and rolls, and Conley just uh you don't know if it's a lob or a floater you're you're exactly right it's the same motion
1: (laughs) and and he can do it with either hand Mm Conley, he can fake left go right fake right go left whatever he can do whatever he wants yeah he can lob it with either hand
0: that's a pretty good little pick and roll game they got going there yeah it's very good let's see with like eight minutes left in the second quarter, Joe Ingalls hilariously caught his like fourth foul, (laughs) but Quinn Snyder challenged the foul. And I saw Dallas do this last week against Memphis where Porzingis got in foul trouble. And, uh, Jason Kidd challenged the foul and won the challenge and they took the foul off. And, uh, Quinn Snyder did the exact same thing with Joe Ingles, and they reversed the foul and uh, took the foul off. I like that move. I like that usage of the challenge. If you can save a player from fouling out or getting into foul trouble early, it, yeah. seems, it seems like a good strategy, a good time to use. And Snyder listens to his players. He, he knows when it's bullshit and when it's real. He, he trusts Jingles. Jingles uh, stayed in the game. I'm not sure if I would keep him out of there after he narrowly escaped a fourth foul in the second quarter, but whatever. Utah's a veteran team. They know what they're doing with their guys. But, yeah, Boston pretty much was able to stay into this game because Utah was just turning the ball over at such a high rate. Boston was getting to the rack, getting easy shots. Utah took bad shots in the middle of the game. They seemed a little out of sync. Boston got back into the game, got it real close. And then uh, you look up, and Al Horford's got, like, 19 in the first half and led the Celtics with four assists. Uh, Al Horford, this guy's just doing everything. What a resurgence of his career. They had a good game, you know.
1: I thought Jalen Brown started off a little (laughs) slow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Excuse me, Jason Tatum. Oh. Brown was not in the game, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then was it the third quarters when Tatum finally. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, the game got tied up in the third. It was like 66 all. Mm -hmm. That uh, 14-point Utah lead had disappeared just like all the water in Utah.
1: Who turned the water off?
0: (laughs) Jason Tatum. I guess this game was the same night that the Grizzlies played the OKC. Mm hmm. Thunder and they won by 73 because they like broke into the game for some news and they just showed that game. And they showed some footage from the game and they were like, well, they need to invoke the
1: peewee football mercy rule. <laughs> 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 they really did. It was well, yeah, no chill conchar,
0: whatever. Right? The crowd was chanting defense and they were up 70 points. <laughs> that was amazing uh it wasn't even like memphis was running up to score they had their bench guys and they were just crushing but yeah third quarter very back and forth good game fun to watch utah was relying on the three a lot that's what they do god help you if they're going in (laughs) donovan came alive a little bit though i love attacking donovan he's so fun to watch With one quarter left, the score was 197 Utah. Utah was up. Let me see. The quarterly scoring was something else. In the third quarter, both teams scored 41 points. That's a high rate of scoring. (laughs) Fun game, though. Both teams kind of, at this point, appeared to be more careful with the ball, less turnovers, less careless passes. Uh, more slowing it down, even on fast breaks. Just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's be careful. Let's make sure we get buckets here. But Boston wasn't going to lay down and give this one to Utah. They were fighting. They actually had the lead, Boston, with six minutes left in the game, 113-109. So it's very strange. At one point, I was watching the game, and uh, Joe Ingles and Rudy Gay are playing the wings, like at the Uh same time. Sure. Very fucking weird looking. Mm -hmm. Um. Who do you think is a better player, Rudy Gay or Joe Ingles?
1: Like at this point, obviously,
0: I don't know. Like we could, I think do, I like, we could do right now, or we could do their whole career.
1: <laughs> oh, that's. I think I'd rather have Joe Ingles if I was like, even with the Grizzlies core four. I think I'd rather have Ingles the whole time Man. than Rudy Gay. I don't know because one, you wouldn't have to pay him as much because he's dorky looking and white. I feel like he's not going to, he's not athletic and you could give him like 10 million a year for four years and he'd probably take it.
0: Well, he didn't have like a big high potential label stuck on his forehead coming into the league either. I think you have to pay those
1: guys. Right. You have to pay their potential because like, well, he he could be this. Mm -hmm. And if his floor is this, it's still a decent contract. So I, I think I like Ingles like overall better than Rudy Gay just because Ingles is, and I'm looking at it through the lens of uh, someone that watched the Grizzlies. That's seven year playoff run. Like I'd rather have the more mellow, like under the radar type player Hmm. than Rudy Gay thinking that he was the, maybe the next, the leader of the team when he never was an alpha.
0: But the, I mean, Rudy's athleticism—those big plays where he was dunking on people and getting easy baskets in transition—I mean, that's that's that has to count for something. That's not winning basketball, though. But it's helping a team.
1: Yeah, I think Ingles helps is winning. Yeah. I mean, Rudy Gay had to join
0: Joe Ingles, right? That's correct. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Maybe if Rudy never got hurt, maybe if his Achilles never blows out. But, yeah. But that was later. I think Engels has probably had a better career, more success. He's been traded less. He's been on less teams. He's a valuable asset. I just thought it was interesting to kind of look at it. I'm curious. If you think, if you're listening to this and you think you have an opinion on this, please call. (laughs) Call our voicemail and tell us why you think – Rudy Gay or Joe Ingles is a better player. I'm interested to know. I want to know what people think. That number is 901-365-75. Tell me what you think about a Joe Ingles versus Rudy Gay. All right, let's see. Back to the game, though. I, I think uh, you probably want Rudy Gay because he commands more defense and he takes pressure off of other players. I mean, Ingles does a lot of things, but you can get an Ingles. You can get an Ingles, and you can get a Kyle Anderson, that Rudy Gay athleticism when he was in his prime. You can't just get that. You can't get that guy that can create a shot or make a move to the basket on his own and finish on people's heads. You can't just pick that up, man. I don't know. It's a good debate, and I'm willing to talk about it more next time we uh, do a show.
1: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so we gotta get you out of here.
0: Yeah, I gotta roll, dude. I am so late. Boston never gave up on this game. It was a barrage of threes from Conley and Donovan. It was a fun finish to the game, though. You said you really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the hell out of this game. I I had fun watching it. Like I was did not feel like I was like wanting to do other things while I was watching the game. You know, did not feel like work. (laughs) It never feels like work. yeah conley's big box score all those threes amazing yeah, that awesome. was that was
1: for me that was like so awesome to see Conley just yeah seven for seven and people
0: might not know but when conley came into the league he did not have a fucking jump shot he didn't have a jump shot mid-range or a three he had to work really hard over the course of his career and now he's just a pure shooter it's awesome big finishing run for utah that's what veteran teams do. They close out games. Utah won 137-130. Donovan talked about after the game letting the Celtics back in to the game and the team responding to the situation in the right way and uh, getting things corrected and finishing strong. And then uh, he walked off the court, signed a bunch of autographs for some white Mormon children, and that was the story of the game.
1: That was it. And then those Mormon – Moms and dads went home and had more Mormons (laughs) More Mormons No no. Actually he signed the uh, The Mormon underwear That's what he signed (laughs) (laughs) Sorry (laughs) He said sorry (laughs) I have Mormon friends sort of
0: I know more Mormons than you do Probably I think I knew one growing up my entire life I'm not even sure though.
1: I know four or five or six. Sheesh.
0: if we I wasn't in, in such a big rush, letter. man, you know, I'd hang out and bullshit. But uh, I gotta go. Let's yep. pick. Let's pick a game real quick for next week and get out of here.
1: I think the Pelican Bucks. I think that's a great game. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know,
0: it's interesting. You say Bucks though, because Saturday Cleveland. Uh, everyone keeps saying Cleveland's a good team. They're over five hundred. They're like fourth in the East. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: These uh, what are these? I don't know. Uh, though the Bucks are like a danger game. That's at
0: home too. Yeah. the if The Bucks are in third. Cleveland's in fourth. They're only a game behind the Bucks. Like uh, Saturday, Cleveland's playing in Milwaukee. How many stars do we give that? Uh, um. Now this is a five star. System, because I'm a five-star man. For me, man. I think it's.
1: More, I, I think it's <laughs> maybe a three and a half. Okay, three and a half. I think the Bucks could blow them out. That's the only well here's,
0: downside. Here's another one: Sunday, Cleveland's playing Atlanta. Atlanta mm-hmm. is two and a half games behind Cleveland,
1: and that's a back-to-back. Though I will say this: the Cavaliers. Cleveland back-to-back. Would not be going out in Atlanta at 2 a.m. They'd be going to the hotel and going to bed, I would think.
0: <laughs> yeah, that Sunday game could be a mess for Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't even look at the time. but What if it was like a day game? <laughs> no, it's not a day game. It's at... Um, the Bucks are in Central Time. <clears throat> uh, Milwaukee's in Central Time, but the um, that's a that's a six thirty Central start, so it's a seven thirty start in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I don't know that either. Of those games are interesting. Yeah, they are. Uh, another one
0: that I like. Uh, it we'll give Cleveland Atlanta since it's not the Bucks. We'll give it three stars, just a half a star less, I guess. But that could be a better game than Milwaukee if we don't think about. The partying aspect. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, Minnesota's playing Denver.
1: It's in Denver.
0: The Nuggets are a game and a half ahead of That
1: could be Minnesota. interesting just to see Jokic completely put Towns in a blender.
0: It could be interesting, right? How many stars we give in that one?
1: I think that that's still a three-star game. All right. Nuggets don't have their guys. The Timberwolves never have guys. They I just literally... think it
0: could be interesting.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it could be a competitive game.
0: Thursday, Philly's playing Brooklyn. Nah. I just thought because of the East Coast, like, you know.
1: Yeah, Embiid didn't play tonight.
0: Brooklyn probably runs away with that one anyway. I'm trending that one down. I was just scratching it right off my paper. Friday, Denver plays Atlanta.
1: We could watch the Bulls-Raptors on Thursday. It's been postponed.
0: Thanks for giving Both. me the option of nothing. What's uh Friday? What for.
1: Do you see any games? What do you like? I uh, yeah, I think that Bucks like that Bucks Cavs game or like that Cavs Hawks game.
0: Everybody's saying Cleveland's good and we haven't done a Cleveland game, we haven't done we a have. Bucks
1: game. This is true. Let's okay. just do that one.
0: All right, fuck it. It's been decided. Saturday, Cleveland at Milwaukee. And we'll be off next week. Um, happy holidays everybody we're not going to do a show but we'll come back i think it's the 27th or something is that right yeah yeah we'll come back we'll just take one there we're doing every other weeks for december and actually it's been perfect for me so it's been a good thing i gotta go (laughs) all right (laughs) poe thank you for being here i appreciate you Thanks for having me. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Kick it!
1: You don't understand. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker.